0: We read from Psalm 29. Ascribe to the Lord, you heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks in pieces the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon leap like a calf. Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord strikes with flashes of lightning. The voice of the Lord shakes the desert. The Lord shakes the desert of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists the oaks and strips the forests bare. And in his temple, all cry, Glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as King forever. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace.
1: Yes, so if you've left your Bibles open, that was sensible. If not, turn back to Psalm 29, because it will be helpful to have it uh, in front of you as we basically go through it. Um, So, uh, Psalm 29, where where to begin? Uh, Why not... um, begin with an article in the Radio Times some years ago that Anne, that's my Anne, managed to find. Um, just enlarge the bit. Um, it's about sea holly, about Eryngium borgati, as probably none of you knew. I certainly didn't. The Radio Times article written by uh, uh, one of the uh, Gardener's World team, and she... Uh, i Happen to like her a lot. I think she's great on, on the program, but obviously I wouldn't agree with her on this. She looks at this plant which is ad- adapted to certain conditions and absolutely marvels at how perfectly it makes use of them. I, I haven't got the details of the article, not enough of the article I've got photocopied. Um, you could write a psalm. She, she basically says, as you see, uh, to get up close to such a special plant is to. Revel in the perfection of evolution. You could almost write a psalm, couldn't you? Ascribe to evolution glory and strength. Worship it in the splendor of its own perfection. Uh, it wouldn't be terribly far from what she's doing. And not, not to get at her, that's, that's a, not an uncommon attitude today. We're probably the uncommon ones. Um, but what about this word ascribe? Um, ascribe. To believe or say that something is caused by something else, uh, to regard something as being due to something else, uh, synonyms, s- similar words, attribute, credit, impute, and we probably all know the unfairness of uh, a s- something being ascribed to the wrong person, Somebody, the wrong person getting credit, if you like. So, so who's the right person? The right person in this psalm is the Lord. And I don't know whether you're familiar with word clouds. You get a piece of text and put it into this clever computer program and it makes a big splodge of the words. And the bigger the word in the cloud, the more often it occurred in the text. It's it's reasonably simple. So it's like a really, really quick way of saying, wow, what are the important words in this passage? Uh, And Lord rather stands out. Indeed, in 11 verses... Of Psalm 29 occurs 18 times, which is telling us something. It's a, that's a form of highlighting, if you like. Now, the Lord, we um, use the word freely and readily, but it's in block capitals in your Bible. Uh, and that's for a reason, which we won't go into in any great detail. But in the original Hebrew, again, some of you may know, possibly not, uh, that, that's what it would look like the word that's translated as Lord in our Bibles in English alphabet, for want of a better uh, term, that's the letters. That's how we get around to pronouncing it, Yahweh, in nice flat English. There's no attempt here to be a Hebrew scholar. Um, uh, so Often it's referred to as Jehovah, same thing, and we translate it as Lord with capital letters. Uh, kind of all, so what? Well, the, it comes from... The Hebrew word to be, to exist, to cause, to become. And it is, in fact, what the, the basis of what God says to Moses back in Exodus 3, uh, when he says, who shall I say sent me? And God says, I am has sent you. I am that I am. That is my name. The, the great I am, sometimes we call him. So that's that. So ascribe to the Lord What? Well, ascribe glory. Uh, glory, kabad or some word like that in Hebrew, actually means weight. As in, not, not wait for a bus, as in heavy weight. Um, think um, gold. Uh, if you want to sort of attach the word weight to the, the word glory, it may be helpful. Uh, if you were to be given a piece of gold, I guess the heavier it is, the happier you'd be. Um, if, if you needed it. Um, Jonathan Edwards said this about the glory of God. The glory of God is the weight of all that God is. The weight of all that God is. The fullness of his understanding, virtue and happiness. Uh, I absolutely love that. And it's um, strength as well. We're told, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. And who is this being, who is being encouraged to do this ascribing? Well, he he talks about in the very first line, heavenly beings, sometimes translated uh, mighty ones, sometimes ye mighty. uh, It seems like angels. Remember, angels in the Bible are not the fluffy little things in the Christmas nativity we clearly got confused with fairies, Uh, usually the response to grown men seeing an angel is to fall on your face uh, in fear and some horror. They're they're like mighty warriors. They're They're the top beings for this sake of argument, and they are being asked by mighty King David to be the ones to, as it were, lead the way, to ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. So can you see the humble and healthy submission for anybody beneath God, which of course is everybody, when we come to consider him? And if it's important for them to do it, how much more important for the likes of us? So this is not just mentally um, ascribing, uh, giving credit where it's due, as it were, but actually worshipping and uh, we might put that as encouraging our heart and mind to actively see the glory, the weight, etc., and to revel in the perfection of the Lord, not of Sea Holly, uh, in the splendour of his holiness. So, the next section, which is the longest, the bulk of the psalm from verses 3 to 9. Uh, might answer the question, what are the reasons for such worship? Why should we worship him? Just being told to ascribe these things to God will give us, give us some grounds for it, as it were. Now, for, for as far as the world's concerned, there was a thing crept into education some couple of decades ago, possibly. Uh, awe and wonder. Awe and wonder was the big buzz expression. We need to get our children to see and appreciate awe and wonder. Let nature insp- inspire you. Uh, let them... Revel in its perfection, again. So, glory in evolution. A creator God, no thanks, no need. Can't acknowledge God, won't acknowledge God. So, ascribe it all to what? Well, to undesigned random chance. How much glory is there in that? Apparently, there is some. David didn't have these restraints. He was able to see the awe and wonder centered on the Lord, on Yahweh. Uh, So uh, let's see or hear uh, what he's like, this psalm tells us. uh, David sees, he hears the voice um, of the Lord, the awesomeness of God in the physical world of crashing waves and electrical storms. This expression, the Lord thunders over mighty waters, uh, various translations. Uh, I I don't really know what that means. Yes, you get thunderstorms over the sea. The sea creates its own thunder. If you've ever been anywhere near a rough sea, and I haven't very often, and hear the roar of surf hitting sands or rocks or harbors, or indeed uh, lighthouses, uh, this is God's voice. This is the picture David is giving us of God's voice and when we think of thunder whether it's from an electrical storm or from huge waves crashing against things it's something deep isn't it it does something to you there's something deep there's something profound something vast and indeed something in verse 4 David sees as powerful powerful and majestic not just something to be scared of although it's that as well And then the next thing we're told, that cedars of Lebanon are broken. The voice of the Lord breaks in pieces, the cedars of Lebanon. Um, I've looked around and found them described as lofty and lifted up, as proud trees. And somewhere else, because of its size, diameter, lifespan, the cedar has become the symbol of greatness, nobility, strength, incorruptibility. A magnificent tree. Um, and, and throwing in for good measure, its wood is apparently rot-proof. And it's not particularly helpful to creepy crawlies that want to, it basically repels them. And they're planted by God, we read in the Bible. And then he can break them by his voice. These are, these are mighty things. Don't put your trust in them. God could just break them effortlessly just with his voice. And then staying with Lebanon, uh, how about the whole of Lebanon leaping? Th- this is uh, bordering on weird language. This is a country. I imagine talking about whales leaping, um, not talking about the rugby crowd. Um, is this earthquakes? I-, I guess so, most likely. Uh, they've certainly been known in that part of the world over the centuries. But this is drama. And Syrian, another word for... At Mount Hermon, which is a, a sacred mountain on the Lebanese-Syrian border. reaches a range of mountains reaching heights of over 9,000 feet, which is double anything we can do in our country, plus uh, skipping, gambling, mountains, skipping, gambling. These, these are awesome pictures. And if we picture an earthquake so strong as to do that, that maybe is as near as we can get. This is God's voice. This is David's way. Of expressing to us and, and giving us images of God's voice and how about how about voice that strikes um, how about well can be translated flashes forth flames of fire but m- lots of tr- uh, translators assume that means lightning so they put in the word lightning and uh, this is scary stuff isn't it um, the physics is reasonably straightforward as much as I understand it anyway they lightning heats air rapidly it causes expansion um air in the channel of a lightning can reach 50000 degrees fahrenheit five times hotter than the sun's surface so best not to be hit by it if you can help it um and then the aftermath of all that causes what we call thunder uh, but this is not the duller sort of relentless thunder of the waves and the mighty waters but something Literally striking, swift, sudden, ferocious, scaring us out of our wits. This is God's voice. This also. And then deserts shaken. He shakes the deserts. Again, earthquakes. I haven't got a picture for this one, probably understandably. Um, Deserts shaken. And then we move on to oaks twisted, which is a... Questionable translation could be deers giving birth. Doesn't really matter. It doesn't change the power of God's voice in this in this passage. The, let's stick with the oaks. Big, big, thick trunks, twisted. The, there's power, power in all these pictures. Not a problem to God. This is God's voice. And then uh, last in this list, uh, He strips the forest bare. Um, don't know whether you can. Any of you remember back to twenty? 2005, the Hurricane Katrina hit the southern states of America, and New Orleans particularly was really badly flooded, but there was huge damage inland. Well, when we went 10 years later with a team from here to Mississippi, we had to drive through all this to get to New Orleans Airport to come home. This is 10 years after the event, and it looked like there'd been a nuclear attack. The trees flattened for as far as you could see. It's quite Quite alarming, considering it had a little bit of time to recover. And this is the sort of picture we've got here, like a, like a nuclear blast, like trees just flattened. This is the voice of God. But in his temple, God, God's people find their awe and wonder in their God. Did we sing earlier, I think, the king of glory, the king above all kings, shakes the earth with holy thunder, who leaves us breathless in awe and wonder. Well chosen, I might say. Um, Yeah, the God who speaks with such a voice through nature in creation, and what do they do? They all cry glory. In effect, they say, In God's temple, God's people say, we get it. We get the weight of all that God is, the fullness of his understanding. And we've also sung these words, let them who hear his voice, these people in the temple included, confronting them today, reject the tempting choice of doubting or delay, doubting that God really did make everything, for example. For God speaks still, his word is clear, so let us hear and do his will. And the fundamental reason for Christians meeting together, there are other reasons, but the basic central one is to hear God speak. Then, moving on to the Lord in throne. So we can ask the question, where is the Lord? How or where do we see God in this series of pictures and series of sounds? Uh, by this stage where do we see him this one to whom we ascribe glory and strength due his name uh, who is to be worshipped whose voice is enough to flatten forests and shake deserts and make mountains skip Um, he's enthroned which means he's the king psalm 24 talks about who is the king of glory the lord strong and mighty and here we're told well It's the other way around. Who is this glorious one, so strong and glorious? Well, it's the king. It's the same truth, just put different ways. And he's enthroned over the flood. Um, The Hebrew word apparently suggests the flood, as in Noah's flood, which, of course, was a judgment, and we'll comment on that later. But he sits above. It's possibly an odd image, enthroned above you. The, the, pic, the pictures we form in our heads might not make a lot of sense. Um, I, I think above, almost certainly in the same sense as you might say, so-and-so is above me at work. You do not literally mean he's hovering above your desk, hopefully. Um, it means it's, he's, he's an authority over you or she is. Uh, they're someone that you're accountable to. They're above you. And, and there is that sense that however big these events, God is bigger. God is higher. God is above God is in charge. Um, Last year we saw much more recently than the Hurricane Katrina. We had a Hurricane Ian and we saw Florida. Pictures on our television screens on the news of of really serious flooding in quite uh, populated areas. A lot of swimming pools got disappeared under the floods, I think. Um, could be tempted to think these things are just too big. They're too big even for God. This is too wild. This is out of control. But no, not actually. No, not to God, not to the creator of all, to the one enthroned over the flood. And, And it's just interesting to note that this psalm doesn't mention anything at all about God making the universe, God making the stars also, as it says in Genesis 1, like, oh, there was something. Oh, yes, he made all the stars as well. Uh, There's no need to. The things that have been mentioned here are already enough. The above account uh, is enough for us to see the God we've got. We can keep adding to it if we wanted. And he's king forever. Missed one? He's king forever. He's an eternal king. His glory, strength, and authority are limited by neither... Uh, space nor time. And what does he do, this eternal king, for his people? It's a reasonable question. In the century where, looking around, most of us were born, in the same century, Joseph Stalin was for 30 years the king, if you like, of the ruler of Russia. During his reign, somewhere around about nine million of his people were killed in order for him to stay in charge. That's Okay, simplistic view of it, but that's that's not far from the truth. Mao Zedong, similar period, well, later years, but a similar period of time, for him, many more than that were killed in his country to retain rule and power. So, earthly kings and earthly rulers are not eternal, but they're often there for their own sakes, not for the sakes of their people. I'm sure we're all familiar with that. But what does this king, this incredibly powerful king that can do all these things with just his voice what does he do well we're told that he gives strength to his people and supremely he blesses them with peace and when we say blesses them his people we're not talking about some distant bunch of people we're talking about us as well we are his people so Just note in passing again that no promises are made for those who are not his people, who reject him. But after this drama, the thunder, the earthquakes, the wind, um, two things, there's strength and there's peace. And we may feel we need it after all that mayhem and the battering and the roaring and the shaking of verses 3 to 9. But before we close, I just want you to try to imagine what it felt like to be in a boat on the Sea of Galilee when the waters and the wind were thundering and you are likely to sink some way from land. In other words, um, we're talking obviously about the scene with the disciples and Jesus. And someone, Jesus, in the boat, brings the storm to a halt with a word of command. What would it be like, in other words, to be in the immediate presence of the... Of the one, the the he who sits enthroned above the flood. To have them actually there with you. Shivers down the spine don't really do it, do they? It's no surprise that the disciples' reaction was, what kind of man is this? In Mark 4, Mark tells us that he uses the word terrified. This is after the storm's been calm. get it right? He's not terrified so much of the storm as the fact that they're with a, a person who has that power. And we can easily see that Jesus is like a perfect example. He's sort of always living out this psalm. Because we've reached this peace. The peace, therefore, is uh, much more than just natural and physical. It's more than an, an absence of drama and trauma. And this peace certainly includes inner peace. And we're not stretching it to see Jesus as the ultimate interpretation of it. The same Jesus that said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Compare that to what he said to the disciples in the boat. Why are you afraid? Never mind terrified. So he, the one higher than the water, higher than the flood, the waves, the storms, including those circumstances that batter us personally when we feel overwhelmed by enormous things happening in our, in our lives and world, he is the one that's above that. These things do shake us. The, the psalm in its, in its drama and in its, in its boisterous noise is not a bad picture of how our lives can be at times. Uh, And he is the one who brings inner peace, inner strength, not just through natural disasters, uh, but in personal crises too. Now, peace in the world is uh, always in the face of, or contrasted to, or in the aftermath of, something noisy, boisterous, violent, often nasty. And, And if you think about it, the word peace wouldn't even exist if everything was always and everywhere peaceful. There'd be no need for the word. And peace in a sinful world is always going to be hard won. It's going to be won at a price. Just think Ukraine. But peace with God for his people who are sinners from birth uh, has been won at the ultimate price and is the ultimate peace. In Christ Jesus, you heard some of this this morning, who were once far away have been brought near into the family of God, but been brought near by the blood of Christ. And while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. If you're jotting down references, that's Ephesians 2.13 and Romans 5.10. So because of Jesus and his willing sacrifice on the cross, we who were once his enemies are now his friends. We joined his side, if you like. We're no longer fighting him, but cooperating with him, enjoying his strength and peace. So there we are. Ascribe, revel in the glory and strength. Just reduce it. Revel in the glory and strength of Yahweh, of the Lord. Give him full credit. Don't be sucked into the world's idea that somehow science has rendered the Lord non-existent or at least irrelevant. Um, The glory, the strength, the credit are his. It's all him. And then the voice, let's really see and hear him in nature, in wild oceans, in thunder, in lightning, and fully appreciate the God that he is. And when we meet together and we worship him, let's, let's cry glory or do the equivalent of it. And just to appreciate that he is enthroned, an acknowledgement that he is enthroned above all things, however enormous they may seem to be to us. He's king forever who gives strength to his people and blesses them with peace.